Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. This is the 15th session in a series under the general title of The Psychology of Politics. Over the past several months, I have taken time to focus on politics, looking at it from a psychological point of view, and some of the psychological issues that we're dealing with in the area of politics today. Most recently, in my last session, was focusing on the street violence that we are experiencing in America today, the rioters and the protesters and the uh, thugs, if you will, that roam the city and destroy it and burn it up, turn it into a um, ghetto almost overnight with the blessing of the mayor and the governor and councilmen and the politicians of that particular city. I would recommend that you take a look and listen to some of the previous topic under the psychology of politics. But tonight, I would today, I'd like to discuss a very, very, very critical issue that we all know about, homelessness. Now, I have driven throughout our city over the last couple of years and have, and have observed homelessness in a lot of different ways throughout the city. I have taken the bus and observed homelessness from the windows of a bus. I have taken the train. I have observed homelessness in the back railroad tracks of cities along the train railroad track and how homeless people live in that particular uh, setting. I've read about it. I've talked to people about it. I have engaged in a variety of activities. I try to understand the issue of homeless. And in some ways, I don't understand it any more than you do. But anybody that looks at it, anybody that studies it, at least has some perspective to share, some point of view to share. And I'd like to do that today as we look at the homelessness. Let me start with a couple of different stories, okay? First of all, a psychologist in New York City, the psychologist obtained a grant from the federal government, bought a building, renovated it, turned it into a rooming house. And in that building, he housed medical services, psychological services, social work services, addiction services, medical services of various kinds. In other words, there was an array of services available to the people who lived in that particular complex. Here's the catch. They did not have to avail themselves of those services. That was not required. It was there for them as an option, but it was not required of them. Interestingly, over 60%, almost 70% of the people did in fact avail themselves of the services that were provided without being required. And interestingly, about 60% of those benefited from those services, got help, benefited from those services. It was a successful experiment, continues on. So it can be done. This was not a government plan. This was a private individual, a psychologist, who developed this program to deal with the issue of homelessness. And I would call that a relatively successful attempt, a model, if you will, for cities. The problem with government is that they build these buildings, they make them very expensive, they make them very well done, they they put in these services, and then they require people to participate in those services. And people will not do that. Homeless people do not respond to authority. You require them to do something. You're an authority person and they reject. You have to know that. You you have to understand. Okay, here's a second story. I was driving home after work one evening and I came to a intersection. I had a stoplight and I was going to turn left. So I was waiting for my signal to turn left. There was a homeless guy standing there at the island collecting money from anybody that would give him something. Kind of a beggar, if you will. It was five o'clock. And what he did is I drove up, he packed up his belongings, packed up his little chair, took his little bag, and proceeded to leave his spot and go across the street to the curb. That made me curious. So I observed him. And what he was doing was going home. So 
I parked my car in the parking lot nearby. I got out of it and I followed the guy home. I was about maybe 100 yards in back of him. And I could follow him home down the street and then he turned into an alley, turned left into an alley. I hurried up and proceeded to observe him go down the alley. He went down the alley about 250 yards. I followed him. And then he came to a spot at that point and he jumped over a fence. He had a little ladder, he had a little uh, step stool, and he jumped over the fence. And when I got to that spot, I hurried up, I ran, when he jumped over the fence to see where he was going. And when he jumped over the fence, I saw him go into the back door of a house. Now that house was a middle, middle class home in the particular community in which I live. It was not a low-level house at all. It was a middle-class house. So that's where he lived. Begging on the street corner was not homelessness. It was his profession. It was his occupation. It was his choice of earning income to all the suckers that would give him money. Interesting story. I then just proceeded to go back to my car. I went on home. Remembering that story, never seen the man again. Now here's a third story. I've read in research that the homeless people who beg on the street corner in the city in which I live earn approximately $50 a day. That's probably the... Uh, upper level, maybe it's $40 a day as an average, but $50 a day is not uncommon, and maybe a little bit more for some, depending on the corner in which they stand and that they've claimed as their own. But look at it as a 50 to, probably a 40 to $50 day deal, begging in the street corner in the city in which I live. I looked at a research study and done in Los Angeles, $90 a day for the person standing in the street corner in Los Angeles area. So you see, the homeless are not without a home. The homeless are not without money. They are not broke. They are not penniless. They have money. Here's a fourth story. There's a homeless man that I befriended and uh, saw periodically. And he would every once in a while stop by my office and just, if he needed some help or needed to discuss something, he came by and visited with me and I saw him in my therapy office free. Didn't charge him. Now this particular homeless man confided in me that he had four post office box across the city, all around the city, four of them, in which he kept his money in which he kept his possessions. So he would travel from one area of the city to another, having access to his own post office boxes, four of them, all of which contained income, contained money that he had acquired through his begging. So you see, they not only have money, but they have a bank. They have a system of keeping their money and protecting it. So when you would think of the term of homelessness, you have to kind of look at it in the context of, is it really true? Are you believing in something that is false? Are you helping people that really are taking advantage of you, you need to take a very serious look at this issue of homelessness. Now, if I were the mayor of my city and I had to deal with this issue of homelessness, there are many things that could be done. Many things come across my mind that I might consider and would do. But here's a few. Here's a few of them that I would do if I were the mayor of my city. And I would recommend it to the government of all cities across the nation. And if you have opportunity to pass this podcast on to somebody in government in your city, do so. Because here's a couple ideas that a city government could do. Number one, issue identification cards to all homeless people. You know, I hate to say it this way, but uh, we have dog tags. And uh, we use that for identifying dogs and having them uh, be able to be identified if they should be uh, lost or stray. Whether you have a driver, whether you have an identification card like a driver's license, or you have an identification tag like a dog tag, doesn't matter. Or like they had in the military, you wear them around your neck. We call them dog tags. But I would have some type of identification card. Every homeless person would have to be registered and have an identification card. That card would cost ten bucks. I would have a police department designated for the homeless. 
I mean, that would ha- be some police department that would have maybe a division of maybe a small number of policemen that would oversee homeless population. That would be their sole duty and sole responsibility. And to oversee this program of issuing identification cards. And then periodically throughout the year, you would stop by and ask people for their identification card. If they did not have it, they'd be fined 10 bucks per day. If they had their identification card, that would be fine. That allowed them to continue to live as a homeless. But they had to have an identification card. That would be number one. Be very important if I were the mayor. Here's number two. I would have a rule that they cannot stay in any location for more than 10 days. With the identification card, you can track that. Just show up periodically and see how long they've been there. Keep records of that. But stay no longer than 10 days in any one location. In other words, it's important for the homeless to keep on the move. It's when they hucker down. It's when they own a spot, so to speak, that the problem gets worse. I talked to the uh, engineers on on the train that I ride going down south to Los Angeles. And they have names for the different people along the way who are homeless. And they note that over the time, not only do they start out with a little bit of a sleeping bag, but they then get a tent and then they add structures to it. They add a, ver- they add a veranda to it. And before you know it, they have a little home parked somewhere along the railroad track that would not be allowed under my program because they have to move every 10 days. That would be number two. Number three is an absolute rule of no stealing. They stole every item they stole and were found with $10 fine. In other words, shopping carts. They were with a shopping cart. Obviously, it wasn't theirs. They stole it. It'd be a $10 fine and had to return it. So no stealing grocery stores or shopping centers or from people's front yards or backyards or from their cars or whatever it might be. And any major stealing from a home or a property, personal property, would carry a much larger fine as we have on our books in every city. Here's number four. Every person would have an annual review. Every homeless person, they have an identification card, would be visited at least once annually by the city officials. Police department would oversee this. The police department would have a police force designated to this population. They'd be visited and they'd be tracked. How are they doing annually? In other words, they would have opportunity to improve and then they could be tracked relative to how well they're actually doing. I would appoint a task force that would work along with the police department. That task force would have social workers. Task force would have nurses, an RN, an R, at least one RN. That task force would have several LVNs who can track the health levels of people. They would have a psychologist on the team. They would have a medical doctor on the team. This team would work together and track these people and monitor these people relative to their health and to their psychological well-being and to their emotional well-being and connect them with services needed as appropriate. These social workers, this team of community workers, would just roam the city every single day, connecting with the homeless, tracking them, reviewing them, issuing fines if necessary, and making sure that they are honoring the terms of homelessness that are set out by the city that I am just now referring to. This team would have a cadre of medications available to them that they could dispense freely and for free if needed. Medications that would address infections would be one example. Oh, by the way, the team would also have an addiction specialist, a drug addiction specialist as well, so that whenever they came upon a problem, was a health problem, they would deal with it through the LVN nurse. Addiction problem, the addiction specialist would be assigned to the case. It was a mentally ill person, a psychologist would be assigned you know, to the case, and so on. Medications might include psychiatric medication that would be given freely and for free if necessary and if needed. In other words, this team would be capable 
of assessing, capable of responding initially to a treatment need that is represented in the homeless, and then hopefully connect them with a long-term treatment program. Can be done. Very much can be done. Cities can organize a group of people, professionals, who are geared to and trained to deal with these kind of issues, and of people who might want to work in such a community service opportunity. Maybe they'd like to do it for a year. Maybe they'd like to do it for two years. It's a high burnout potential. So therefore, maybe a, a professional person should not work for more than a year or two at a time on, on this particular task force. Ultimately, the goal would be to connect people with their job, with a job possibility, help them with the application, help them connect with a job, and maybe get them work. You would connect them with community services where they could be trained to work, where they could be cleaned up, if you will. They could be treated for their addictions and then maybe be rehabilitated and get back into the workforce and get back into the home life from which they came. You see, I think that there are opportunities here to help people turn around. But to leave it on their own and to just say, well, the services are there and just go ahead and take advantage will not happen. We're going to have to have that community service person who will connect and who will come into the life of a homeless person and engage them in a rehabilitative program and with services appropriate to their needs by a team of people who are trained and capable of responding to the needs of the homeless. Not volunteer people. These would be under the employment of the city in the same way that the city would employ a police officer or a health worker, a public health worker of some kind, a public health nurse of some kind. It's possible. It can be done. And I would recommend it to the city in which I live. I recommend it to the cities across the country to look at this model of community rehabilitation, community confrontation and rehabilitation. Hey, thanks for joining me. I'm glad that you were able to... um, to do that today and to come and be part of this program, The Psychology of Politic, Homelessness. Join me again in a few days and we'll see you later. Bye for now.